0: Of Sacramento. Three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book and send it to the left. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top of the King's record book. Well, I like to see Fox force five in the open court. Pit-pop. Fox into the lane. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like Kings basketball.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Kings Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Ivanowski on here as usual. How you doing, Rich? I'm
0: doing good, man. Uh, we are on to Dallas. So we got our friend Brian Zillam here to talk Mavericks with us today. How you doing today, Brian? I'm doing well,
2: Rich. Thanks so much for asking. Uh, so glad to be back talking with you boys. I'm sure the Kings Bulls fans are like, why is this guy back again? But, you know, kind
1: of like a cold sore. You can't get rid of me that easy. There you go. Yeah, and we appreciate having you here. I don't know if I'd appreciate the cold sore in the same way, <laughs> but but I think where we want to start with this, a lot of it, we're going to focus on the offseason going into next year. But just starting with recapping last year a little bit, you ended up with a, the Dallas ended up with a 33 and 49 record. Obviously, the main storyline was. Dirk's final year and also the integration of Luka Doncic became rookie of the year. Well deserved, you know, putting up 21, seven and six on his rookie year with some decent splits as well. But what were your main takeaways from last year? I know that you were a lot more involved with the team as well. You got to go to a lot of games and different things like that. So what were your positive takeaways and progressions?
2: Oh, man. Um I mean first and foremost I mean I think just the fact that they potentially landed Dirk's successor in his final season I think that's like number 1 uh that obviously doesn't happen too often I mean I guess like the the most like relatable like kind of situation I can think of is like when uh, the Spurs drafted Duncan and they had David Robinson kind of pass the torch after they won the title you know, that was like one thing that obviously stood out in my head personally. Um, you kind of had some soap opera drama initially. I mean, because, you know, that after the Mavericks drafted Luca, you had DHJ still on the team. And then there was the Fallout where they ended up shipping him to New York. And then you get Port which is awesome. But of course, he doesn't pretty much play all season, which they knew that ahead of time. But then, uh, to me, I really think it was Dirk. Um, you know, it was so special to kind of see him uh, one more, you know, for the final season. Yeah. Cause to me, I feel like he's one of the most like unappreciated like athletes, not necessarily like within like sports fans in general, but I kind of feel like in the Dallas Fort Worth area, he's kind of like underrated just because there's, you know, it's so cowboy heavy over there. So, you know, you've got people like Aikman, Staubach, uh, Emmitt Smith, all those people. So, but just to see, like, this Hall of Famer kind of go out to the sunset was kind of like, I'm st- I still can't believe he's not going to suit out, honestly. Like, the class where he, you know, showed with the team, net, he always took pay cuts. Uh, you know, I believe he was still, I want to say he's at least top six or 7th all-time in earnings, uh like, as far as, like, players-wise, and that's without an NBA contract, which is, like, amazing to me. But seeing his, like, last two games back-to-back, um, I'm always gonna remember that. I've got a, uh, you know, a ticket stub as a final his final home game, and seeing like the whole special ceremony Dallas did, having all D- Dirk's hero- heroes on the court for like a twenty thirty minute presentation was really cool. And just the fact that I can say I saw Dirk's like last jump shot ever.
0: Yeah, definitely is an end of an era uh, with Wade retiring as well this past year. That was a really nice week, a uh, really nice night. I remember that was a crazy night where uh, Jamal Crawford like dropped forty points in in Phoenix that night. It was just a weird night. It was uh, Wade's last game, the Whiskey's last, the Whiskey's last game, and um, yeah, that's sad to see. But like you say, you know, the new era of Dallas basketball is definitely here with Luka Doncic, and so you know, I mean, there's a million questions we could ask, but just tell us about that experience as well. Tell us about the experience of watching a guy, you know, grow during his first year. And, you know, there's a lot of moving pieces. The team made several trades throughout the year. And really it felt like the one, the one constant was Luka Doncic. Um, you know, Brunson kind of broke out near the end. Uh, DSJ was moved. DeAndre Jordan was moved. Uh, Chris Stapps was brought in, but didn't play, you know, but really it felt like this was Luka's year. So, what were you know what did you see from him the first year man he pretty much blew whatever expectations
2: i had for him first and foremost initially there was a lot of just like hype around him as far as like what he could be in the nba and i was just ready to actually see some live action of him i um because there was, you know, a lot of uh, Eurofilm that you could go out there and find on YouTube and get some of that. There was obviously different uh, narratives as far as throughout the draft before I mean, the Mavericks traded uh, Viva Atlanta to actually pick him up. The first game I saw him was preseason game. You know, I was obviously watching it on TV. Uh, they were playing, I believe, the Beijing Ducks. Um, it was the uh, first two or three minutes of the game. Luca basically just, uh, rebounds, goes coast to coast, like it's nothing, um, just to the other area basket. And I was like, whoa, didn't, uh, didn't think you were that fast. And I was like, okay. And then I started just gradually just seeing how good he was. Um, he did definitely make me appreciate, like, uh, it's funny as the season progressed. I, I saw um, tendencies of Harden within his game as he started uh, developing kind of like throughout the season. And I was like, OK, I can't really hate Harden anymore because his game is pretty similar with his, uh, you know, he, he's definitely a fan of the step back three He's I don't think he took as many as Harden. I want to say Harden like was number one in that car- category, way like way ahead. But I think Luka was definitely number two. So he's definitely a fan of step back three. He definitely likes creating contact. Um, but just uh, a lot of people, you know, um, the play by play man for the Mavericks, Mark Fellowell, described, you know, had so many Luka adjectives, acronyms, you know, Luka mania, Luka magic, uh. You look at the play um, in Portland where he pretty much made a shot with, I think it was like 0.8 or 7 seconds left in Portland. It was in the corner, and he just kind of chunked it up there, and it went in. It was like, whoa, what can you do that? Um, but there was a game that stood out for me specifically, uh, Rich. Um, it's basically where he... Um, Went on a 14-0 run against like the Rockets by himself. The Mavericks were like dead in the water. This was like in the fourth quarter. I want to say there was about maybe about four or five minutes to go. And uh, Luca was like, "Uh, I'm going to just win this game by myself, which was super refreshing because the Mavericks obviously hadn't seen anything like that in quite some time. I mean, uh, it's been probably a baby maybe about two or three years since we've had like a game like that from Dirk where it's like oh, okay I'll, I'll just take over and win this a game for you guys it was like super special just seeing him just knock down threes and you know, uh do uh you know being able to like cross people up and just go to the basket out well pretty much whenever he wanted there's obviously still a learning curve just within his game uh, I think me and Brendan talked a little off air where he has definitely an opportunity to kind of improve his conditioning. You could tell um, on the splits like the back to back games. He uh, second night of the back to back, he was not as good or efficient. I mean, he was still like almost getting a triple double, damn near. But I um, t- towards the I want to say yeah, second half of the season for sure, he was like the Mavericks' whole team as far as leading categories anyway. But I. He definitely had an opportunity to improve his conditioning through and uh everything like that but he was rookie of the year for a reason. Uh it was just really fun man. He just like um a lot of people weren't surprised cuz he was far in between favorite. I know there was like some Hawks people like oh Trey Young, Trey Young but it was like no, nah, he was just he was doing things pretty
1: much like at his age
2: that like LeBron wasn't doing which is insane.
1: And what I'm a little bit curious with With Luca, obviously, it was a great last year. Like you said, it was easily rookie of the year. And we talked about a little bit off air. I think that conditioning is definitely a way that he can take these next steps. But with him being so polished, where else do you see the progression coming? Um, there's still a lot of efficient efficiency improvement that can be done. Last year was 42% from the field, 32% from deep. Uh, on great amount of points and raw stats, but those efficiency numbers can definitely go up. And I think that'll come with uh, the conditioning, but is there other certain aspects where you would like to see steps of improvement?
2: Uh, Turnovers, you would like to get those down a little bit because obviously, you know, rookie curve, he's going to have like some silly turnovers. So uh, you would like for those to, you know, go down just a little bit and just be a little bit smarter with that. Uh, he seems to get kind of like in foul trouble pretty easy, where I felt like at least in the first quarter, um, you know, he'd, he'd pick up that second foul really, really early where there was no need to reach, where, you know, I guess he was a little bit too aggressive, especially if like those officials were calling a game close. Uh, I mean, I would say those would probably be like something I would like to see, um, you know, moving forward. The three point percentage, um, you know, obviously with that, it's gonna, he He loves to set back, and I still feel like his three point like shot is actually pretty it's not i feel like his shot doesn't need to improve as far as like the way he shoots it, but I mean obviously you want to make sure he's it, when he's shooting those it's like a smart shot like it's not necessarily like a curry three it's like within transition and it's like a three that like fits his game but um yeah, just like turnovers and kind of just like picking up those silly fouls early in the game
0: so going back a little bit. We normally just talk about this past season and the off season and then project a little bit forward. But I want to go back a little bit further with this team because they did, like as we mentioned, they've made a ton of trades uh, across this past calendar year. So going all the way back to last summer uh, and the trade that, that got the the Mavericks, Luka Doncic, I want to revisit this for a second and and we so we know that the trade was essentially Luca for Trey Young uh, or Trey Young for Luca. That's how it transpired. You know, f- the fifth pick for the third pick essentially, and then uh, there was also a thrown in uh, first round pick from this year that turned into pick eight. Uh, it was one through five protected, but it turned into pick eight, which turned into Jackson Hayes. The Hawks, of course, uh, traded that pick as well to move up to get DeAndre Hunter, but. As far as the value of this trade, Trey Young also really had a strong rookie year. He, he did not play well in the first half of the season, but really came into his own and legitimately feels like maybe the number two best guy out of that draft and, and a guy that, you know, I'll say it doesn't feel like there's miles between these two players in Luca and Trey. I think that Luca is the better prospect, but Trey absolutely is a fantastic prospect as as well. And then depending on how that, that eighth pick turns out or how you would value that, you know, there, it felt like at the time this was an easy trade, an easy trade to make and an easy win for Dallas. But do you still feel that way? And do you still feel that Luca is, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but do you think that it's a shoe in that Luca is going to end up being the better, the best player out of that group?
2: Well, hindsight, I guess if you, initially I wasn't really like a super fan of giving up like extra assets because this team didn't have a lot. It's not like they had like abundance of picks like, you know, someone like the Celtics or, uh, you know, like OKC has now. So it's not like they had a whole bunch of picks just to give away. Initially, I was a little hesitant about that because I was just like, well, it would be nice to actually have a high draft pick so we can start. Developing and drafting some kids because we don't usually land anybody uh, potentially in free agency. So that was, that's why I was like a little frustrated at first. Um, there was like some hypothetical speculation that initially there was like some type of potential trade where if the Mavericks would have taken out, let, taken an extra year of Ken Baysmore, they could have just flipped that and, uh, the Mavericks would have just sent the Hawks, Wes Matthews in exchange. But, I never. I, it was reported out there for a little bit, but then it just died down. So it could have just been a rumor. But that's why I was like, "Oh my god, I would have loved to do that and still keep the pick." But if you look at it in hindsight, you for, you get it. You know, potentially like a kid that's a franchise player potentially for Trey Young, who's showed promise, especially that second half, struggled a little bit out of the gates, and then the Hawks pretty much used the Mavericks pick this year, and then you land Cam Radish. And Cam Reddish might be a fine player, but if you were to ask, you know me now, you would you trade, uh, you know Trey Young and Cam Reddish for Luca? Oh yeah, hundred percent. And which of the two are going to be better? I still feel like Luca is a type of player where he could probably go to any team and be great. And Trey Young could be more of a benefit like within that system that Atlanta has, where they're kind of building around him a little bit more based on like their system and the players that they already have so like if you swapped the player if trey young was on dallas and then luca was on um the hawks like who would be better i I still say luca would be better on the hawks because i don't think the way trey young plays that would work well within the dallas system but if i had to you know if you had to put a gun to my head right now like which potentially is going to be better in the wrong one i would say luca without you know just being
0: logical and not being biased or anything like that yeah, you're absolutely right. That's, that was my mistake, by the way. Uh, thinking it was pick eight. It was pick 10. Uh, the eighth pick was Atlanta's own pick. So they gave up, uh, so Dallas essentially gave up, uh, Trey Young and Cam Reddish, as you're saying. Uh, and then also, you know, so, so that's an interesting point. You know, I mean, if you're going to, if, if to you it feels like there's a big gap between Luka and Trey, I understand still feeling good about that trade. But then there's also another big trade that was made uh by Dallas and I think there's also an interesting argument to be made about the amount that was given up. Um and this one is for Kristaps Porzingis. Uh the, you know, th- there's a lot of moving pieces in this trade, but I think the point that I'm trying to make here is that they did, you know, they they will not be drafting their pick in 2021, that is unprotected and is gone as well as the top 10 pick in 2023. So the the essence of what I'm trying to get to is basically the Mavericks are rolling with you know out of all this group of picks they're rolling with Luca and Chris Hesperzingus, and they basically aren't you know they give up four draft picks to get there and do you feel like you know what's your level of confidence that this is the right move?
2: I think to answer that question rich it's just based on your patient level I, to to me. You know, especially in life right now, it's so hard to tell somebody to wait, uh, you know, for a foundation to grow, especially when you're trying to develop a young team. If the fan base is patient, I feel like this could be successful. Now, a lot of this does depend on, like, KP could not come back, you know, as how strong as he was after his ACL injury. You never know. I mean... I, I do commend the Mavericks for going all in, so to speak, uh, giving him a five-year deal, uh, um, 158 million dollars, like the biggest deal in franchise history. So I commend them on going like all in. They, you know, they pretty much gave up a haul, um, you know, to get KP to Dallas. So they wanted to, uh, one. I think show that commitment to you know Luca to get that superstar. In Dallas and uh you know they saw a situation where they saw a disgruntled DSJ and they had an opportunity to get a you know another all-star paired with Luca, which is you know those trades don't they I mean they come out of the blue but they you know they're very far in between for it to kind of material rate, like you know as far as crazy as it did and then just to have play New York the day before and then have that trade go down is <laughs> pretty funny uh just as far as far as timing concerns because there was a pick with luca and kp like kind of huddled together and then people were just like hey man like there was like the, a gift from me saying hey like we'll get you in dallas in a couple years and then of course like the next day he's trading to dallas which is <laughs> crazy um so again i know i kind of rambled on but uh, if if everyone's patient with this i think if you're setting a timeline anywhere from like two to three years where, like, you know, you got a team like the Warriors and maybe Houston getting a little bit older. Um, and, you know, you never know with you know, Portland, Denver could maybe fall off. It's just a matter of just being patient and hoping, like, this year, obviously, KP and Luca develop some type of chemistry together and kind of go from there. But as far as like a confidence meter, I mean, I'm 85% sure, like, this will, you know, be a success.
1: Are you currently paying off student debt? Interested in improving your financial literacy or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape? Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend,
0: invest, and earn for today's economy. Hey guys, just want to give you a quick reminder that if you like what you're listening to, we'd really appreciate a quick rating and review of the podcast on iTunes or wherever you're getting this podcast. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, we love to interact with you. We can take your questions, answer them on the podcast as well. That is at Kings underscore pulse. We also got an Instagram Kings underscore pulse, and we are the official podcast of uh, Reddit R slash Kings. We got a sticky thread on there if you want to ask questions. So we really appreciate it. And, and thank you very much for listening.
1: Yeah. And I think people forget how good Porzingis was on the defensive side of the ball as well. Like, he has so much potential if he does come back healthy and that's a big asterisk to put on it. Um, part of the interest for this duo of Porzingis and Doncic moving forward for me is that I feel like they're both very versatile. They can play a lot of different positions and I'm curious what you think that Dallas is kind of pointing at what they think their roles are going to be. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the impression I'm getting here. Based on the roster that was built around, you know, bringing DeLon Wright in as what feels like your starting point guard in a way, but Doncic would have ball handling duties while DeLon Wright can play off ball in a way. And then Porzingis is the four here, if that feels right, with, you know, Kleba, Boban, and Dwight Powell as those five positions. Does it feel like Porzingis is a little bit more of a four and then Doncic is in that two spot? Um, I think it just depends on who you're asking. To be quite honest, Brendan, because
2: I I haven't seen anything concrete as far as a potential lineup. Um, you know, projection as of now, a lot of people are speculating different things. Uh, because in my mind, once Delon Wright was acquired, I just assumed, uh, you know, he was kind of there for defensive purposes. you know, he's a solid NBA guy. There's nothing wrong with having him um on your team. I was just assuming initially with the signing of uh, Seth Curry coming back to Dallas, I assumed there was going to be some type of lineup where you have Curry, the line right at the two uh, Luca at the unofficial like three, but point guard position uh Porzingis and then Dwight Powell. But I keep on seeing different things where the Mavericks are committed to being bigger, which is interesting because, you know, they have, you know, people like, Tim Hardaway Jr. they could bring off the bench, uh, Dorn Vinny-Smith, Maxi Kleba. So I'm not really sure directly what lineup they are going to go to because some people think, hey, maybe Jux, uh, Justin Jackson actually gets a start at uh, the power, our small forward position, which is funny because, you know, I, I started to get on that, uh, you know, uh, train, and as they kind of joke at that point, but no offense to Justin, but just to say – I didn't know what the Mavericks were doing in the offseason at one point. So there's, uh, you know, speculation where Carlisle may want to go bigger, which I'm completely fine with. But their lineup and kind of players they have is interesting because they are all kind of interchangeable. But then it's like, okay, I, what are is each of those players that play together, are they good enough to kind of hide each other's defic- deficiencies? Because obviously Luka is never going to be like a – second or team defensive player by any means necessary so i ideally you would want to have at least two to three functional players on defense to kind of hide his defense his, you know his defensive defensive by like all means but the long ride i mean obviously you know he's a solid guy to have up there but it's i'm not really sure where they go to be honest i'm mean, because if you do dwight powell and christoph porzingis as, as kind of like your interchangeable four or five combo i mean i i feel like you could maybe even have Dwight maybe at the, uh, you know, play the unofficial five, but then kind of, uh, you know, they'll obviously switch them out depending on the lineup. But I'm kind of under the impression this might be a year where we see a, a ton of different start, starting lineups, where it's almost like a, a bullpen theory for baseball, where it just really depends on the matchup, on whom they're playing that night. Because I could see some nights where they're playing uh, Maxi Kleba with. Porzingis, or maybe there's other nights they want to go bigger um, and have uh, Jackson starting at the three, and maybe they want to go small and uh, throw Seth Carey out there because he's a guy that they resigned and liked before he got injured. So I, I know they think he's a you know a starter in this league. So I know that was a very long windy question, but again, I, to answer, I'm just thinking moving forward this is like a bullpen type situation uh, where Carlo kind of just mess around until he finds something and he may not find anything he likes Carlos is very open to change so he's not like necessarily settled on like his ways if he finds something right away
0: so why don't we uh check back in with your your Justin Jackson love and see uh just to get a reaction now you're still feeling still feeling good about that at all or are you sad at all to see Harrison Barnes go you know what's your feeling about that trade now looking back
2: I mean, in theory, uh, it kind of sucks to have Harrison Barnes leave because had there been a way the Mavs could have kept him, he would have been now like the third best player on the team, which ideally is what they, he should have been. Um, and the Mavericks kind of just threw him out there and treated him as the number one guy. And he just, I don't, you know, no offense to Harrison at all. I just, I think he did as much as he could based on the situation and what the Mavericks had around him. I mean, in a perfect world, I would love to have Harrison Barnes in this lineup right now. Like I yeah. have him with uh, KP and Luca. I think that'd be really, I think that'd be really fun. And I, he's a nice, solid defender. It's, uh, I, I think right now, if I, he was on the Mavericks, he'd be easily the best defender in my opinion. But, you know, uh, at the time I could understand what they were doing. Cause um, Rich, you and I, Had kind of a after uh, you know during game after game trade discussion on what the Mavericks were doing, so uh, it it made sense in theory for them to go after you know part with Harrison because they were obviously trying to make a play for a big fish and fortunately did not work out. So hindsight it does kind of suck, but uh, you know I'm open to the idea of having Justin have an opportunity because I feel like maybe he just hasn't had you know, a uh, situation or even a shot to shine. And towards the, I believe the last like 10 games of the season, he started getting a little rub as far as within the starting lineup and showed he could play in the league.
1: I will uh, warn you to be a little bit careful because he had a couple 10, 15 game runs where it was like, wow, I'm a big fan of this guy. He plays with some hustle on the defensive end. He's hitting his three point shots. And then a week later, it's like, I don't know if I want this guy to get any minutes. Uh, There's a little bit of consistency there. But it's funny you mentioned that because I definitely looking at this roster and I think we talked before we pressed record was this lack of wings and it feels like Barnes would be such a perfect fit. But, you know, good chance that you would have let up you would have lost him for nothing. At least you got Justin Jackson back for it. I know that we had a conversation and we were recording a live stream while free agency was going on. and you had a lot of high hopes. There's a lot of money that was available for Dallas. Uh, It felt like Kemba was very close and the front office was confident that they were going to land him. And then this complication that nobody expected of Horford opting out opened up a spot in Boston that he liked a little bit better. With Horford opting out, there was also hopes that you would land Horford. You wanted Danny Green, Patrick Beverly. And it seems like a lot of things fell through. And can you just talk to... You had this feeling of like, are we gonna do something, right?
2: Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, there was a lot of speculation once these big names started to come, like out and say, "Oh, Dallas could be a potential shoot, you know, suitor for the, you know, a big name in the free agency." Uh, uh, Vooch from Orlando, there was speculation that Dallas was connected to him because him and Luca do have the uh, same agent. Uh, you know, Kimba was obviously, a, uh, there was mutual interest there from my understanding because I believe at the All Star break, the Mavericks tried to reach out and see if, uh, you know, Charlotte was interested in parting with Kimba. then, so I knew that there was at least like some interest. I don't know how realistic of a shot it was. And then, you know, there was some news, uh, Horford, uh, opted out of Boston and could be interested in signing with Dallas. Uh, the most important thing I learned, like from this, uh, you know, off season, uh, Brendan, as we did that live stream, all these reports that came out were never reported by like the main Mavericks insiders. You know, you, Mavericks are kind of, you know, they they do their best not to like relay information like that because if they're going to give out any information, it's going to be to specific sources that you know the Mavericks want that information linked to. Uh, You've got, you know, huge names like Mark Stein, Tim McMahon, uh, Brad Townsend uh, with the Dallas Morning News. And with all these new, like, rumors, I never really saw a story reported by any of those players. So when I go back and look at it, it really actually makes sense. The Mavericks didn't land anybody because, uh, you know, the Mavericks might have been maybe second, third choice to some other people. And then, there was uh, speculation maybe Danny Green wanted to come to Dallas, but then the Mavericks offered him something, but it was not as good as the Lakers deal. And it's just like, I mean, come on. And suppose the according to reports, the Mavericks were very interested in Kevin Walker. Apparently, that was their number one choice. And then once that went and went by buying the car, car pretty much they turned their attention to Lawn Wright. Apparently. I was a little disappointed they didn't even try to make a play for Pat Beverly. I would have liked him to be on the Mavericks. It just uh won because they don't really have a lot of veteran leaders. That was pretty much the sexiest name out there. Um and I was a little disappointed with the front office just in terms of you know, there was players out there they could have went and got um, you know, uh, I don't necessarily know I would have paid, you know, Corey Joseph a lot of money like the Kings did, so to speak. But like, you know, there was like discounted players out there. They could have went after, you know, uh, Damari Carroll, uh, Lamb, who signed with Indiana. So uh, there was players out there they could have went after. That was kind of like a third or fourth tier. But then, you know, they pretty much all signed within that first or second day. And then they're kind of waiting on Danny Green. And it's like, okay, that's where a lot of frustration was. And, I was kind of amazed to see how angry the fan base was because they were trying to like come out like the mass beat reporters crazy. But it's (laughs) they never reported anything, guys. Like these reports were coming from like the ringer people that are not within like the circle of trust within the Mavericks. So it it was kind of frustrating at first. But then you you take a step back and look at it and really makes sense
0: it did feel like Dallas should have done more or could have done more. I, especially with trading away Harrison Barnes, essentially it felt like, you know, part of that was to get uh, his money off the books and then to not make an aggressive move. And basically what they ended up doing is, you know, extending and re-signing all their guys and then, you know, adding Seth Curry, Dalon Wright and Boban, you know those aren't bad players and those are those are nice complimentary pieces but you also got to wonder you know when is when when is the move going to be made i mean they will have some cap space next year but it felt it felt to me like you know this was they were attempting to go all in on the big 3 with Przingis, uh doncic and you know whoever maybe it be kemba or, or you know horford or whoever um, does that feel like what happened to you? Does it feel like there was this is a a missed opportunity? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, there was a
2: missed opportunity, hundred percent. Now I will say to give them credit, they didn't necessarily tie themselves to like just a just because contract, and you know they could have definitely thrown some money at Julius Randle. I don't, you know, I, I feel like Julius Shannon would have fit on the team okay. But then, you know, giving him upwards of, I think he was getting 20 to 20, you know, around $20 million this season, uh, when he signed that contract with the Knicks. So they didn't necessarily go out and just give somebody a whole bunch of money. So you do have to commend them for that. So they're trying to, uh, t- to use a famous, a famous Mark Cuban quote, keep the powder dry which is cool, I mean, I guess. So they ne- they didn't necessarily, like, hinder themselves. There's some bad contracts, so they're flexible where they can move some pieces around maybe uh, if someone's interested. And in, let's say, like, a Dorian Vinny smith Maxi Kleba, Jalen Brunson, someone like that. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I still feel like this is a, you know, missed opportunity. I really don't think this team would have made a, you know, a championship run if they added Kendall Walker. And then I wasn't really a fan of adding Kimba Walker to be honest Rich. I just I didn't really feel like paying Kimba Walker 35 million million as he's aged 34 34, you know, 35 and not very, you know, we we've never really seen any off-ball like skills that he could show with Luka. A lot of people would say, "Oh, you know, he's never really had any good players to point with, you know, play with." And Charlotte, which is true. It just that was a lot of money to pay. You know, a smaller guard who's never really showed off-ball skills, and you know, within his career in the NBA. If I had to, like, you know, go back and have a wish list, I would have loved to have Horford. Um, You know, it, it, I think if the Mavericks did make a play for Horford and sign him with KP and Luka, they would have been really fun. One, I feel like that would have added veteran leadership, which the Mavericks desperately need because they have none pretty much, I would say. Uh, their veteran leadership at this point might be Boban at <laughs> <If> that, like <laughs> as scary as that sounds. um, And then I think paired with KP, I, I feel like that would have been really, you know, they would have been, you know, pretty solid defensively. K- Horford is a little bit younger, but they would have been able to cause a little bit more mismatch problems as far as like the, you know, kind of pick and roll game with Luca and Horford together. So if I wanted ideally to have like a big three, I, uh, within their off-season plans, I would have loved to have Horford, but, you know, at least you do have to commend the front office to, at least they didn't tie themselves to a really bad contract where they're, you know, potentially, if not this following season, maybe in 2021, they could try to make a play for another free agent.
1: Yeah. And it's all going to ride on Donchich and Porzingis, obviously. We mentioned some veteran leadership and then Wings as well. What were the holes that needed some filling when you were looking at this roster heading into the off season?
2: uh i mean pretty much wings and defense and three-point shooting uh definitely uh i feel like at least like with the additions of curry i mean you could say they addressed some issues that uh you know uh three-point you know uh, having a three-point shooter uh, if uh, Hardaway Jr. comes back healthy uh, you know from his injury that could obviously add a spark to the bench potentially um, they added some additional players just as far as through undrafted free agency I mean they have Joss Reeves now on the uh, two-way uh, situation within going to G League and NBA and they also have Antonio's Cleveland who's kind of been in and out as far as like with the Mavericks, uh, the past few years, I, I really feel like they, I don't know if they really addressed like the wing problem, um, because Dorn Vinnie Smith started the year last year, like off, you know, very solid. Uh, a lot of people were super happy to, you know, see how good he could be potentially. Then his three point shot kind of betrayed him. You could say around January on, it just wasn't very consistent where he was not even really seeing the court at towards the end of the season. So, I still feel like, as far as like areas of opportunity to improve, if they are going to try to make any additional moves in the off, you know, during the season, even like if they can get a solid like three and D wing, that would be lovely, ideally. But I just I kind of feel like they'll they'll just have to roll into the season what they got
0: at this point. So one interesting place on this roster that I got some questions about is the point guard position. There are questions about what type of point guard works with Luca. Uh, you know, that was kind of the reasoning for, for letting go of Dennis Smith Jr. And I'll also note here, Dennis Smith is a guy that we didn't really talk about earlier as part of those, those trades, but, you know, essentially they, they gave up five picks, five, you know, three top 10 picks and then two future picks. One of those being Dennis Smith Jr., even though, uh, he had already, you know, been in the league for a year. It's it's a it's a question of what type of point guard is going to work with Luca, and it seems like some guys that obviously you need to be able to play off ball. You probably want to be able to shoot. Guys like Brunson, guys like Daylon Wright, uh, and you know I think you you know Seth, these guys are kind of like kind of like combo guards, and they kind of work, in, in, at least in theory, but. You know, with Seth Curry and Daylon Wright, what did you think of those signings overall? Did you did you think that they make sense with a a fit around Luka? Yes and no. I feel
2: like at least Wright adds, you know, that kind of fills at least plugs one hole that they really needed because they didn't really have like a solid kind of like one or you know a guard position that could play you know really solid defense. And considering Memphis. Yeah, uh, you know, uh w- there was rumors that apparently they were going. They may have wanted to resign him, but uh, you know, you get at least a solid. You know, ro- I don't want to say he's a. Mm, he might be like a solid road, like a solid sixth, seventh guy, really. And like realistically, is he like worth like starting consistently? Mm, I mean. I haven't really seen enough of his game to kind of like say yes or no. But I mean for the interim he's gonna be in the starting lineup whether people will like it or not because he's gonna be probably the best defender. Uh well like as far as guard wise uh, coming uh to the team. And, you know, Curry, I like Curry. I mean he before he got hurt, it was unfortunate that they uh you know, Mavericks couldn't have him back initially, but now they brought him back, Um, you know, before Curry did get hurt his last year in Dallas, he started to develop a little bit. Um, You know, he started doing different things as far as going to the rack a little bit more. So I feel like at least, you know, potentially both parts of their you know, Curry and Wright's game could fit with Luca, but just in different ways. And, you know, Wright's more of obviously like he'll be more probably like defensive minded uh kind of point guard shooting guard with Luca was supposed to like Luca uh when Curry's playing with him he'll be more kind of like that guy in the the corner Luca can look for and drive and dish.
1: The Kings Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast and it is 100 percent free. It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform. They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And then you kind of touched on Curry a little bit there as well. One other guy that you guys did sign a complete free agent was Boban Marjanovic, obvious fan favorite. Um, I'm curious if you think how big of a role he's going to have here. I mean, there is, there's Dwight Powell, there's Maxi Kleba. Uh, I, even, you can play Porzingis at five at times. I just don't see the most opportunity for him necessarily in this situation. Are you kind of feeling the same way? Yeah. I mean, Carlisle's never really been
2: like a huge fan of playing like very large men, like, at, within his lineup, Carlisle for some reason has this. In fact, he's very fascinated with playing like three to four guards at one time. So I can't really see Bobon just playing like a ton of minutes. Like, uh, you know, there there was that final kind of center spot where he could obviously bump out Solomon Mesury off the lineup or you know off the team potentially. Um, because I haven't really seen anything official like on Solomon Mesury. Like, so he could obviously absorb some of his. Um, minutes, but I don't know if I want him to take minutes away from like somebody like Dwight Powell or Max or Maxi Kleba just because, you know, Boban can fill like a role in like very small spurts, but it just, if he's taking away, uh, minutes from like somebody that's more versatile like Kleba or Powell, then, you know, this, something's terribly, something's gone wrong. Um, but I mean, if he's getting like eight to 10 minutes here or there or, you know, DMPs, that's pretty much what I would
0: have as far as expectations were him? So talking about Powell, talking about Maxi Kleba, the Mavs really paid their guys this offseason. They exercise the exercised the option on Powell for ten million, a little over ten million, and then extended him at three years thirty three. Uh, and then Kleba they extended at four years thirty six. And they also gave Dorian Faye Smith a new contract at three years twelve million. You know, what do you do you think that this is obviously that's stuff that could have been done regardless of bringing in new players. But as far as paying their guys and really locking them up long-term, four more years for Powell, four more years for Kleba three for Finney Smith, you know, are you on board for all this? And does this feel like, because to me, what this seems to be getting to is the Mavs feel like they've got a base of a team that they, you know, maybe they want to add one more piece, two more pieces. They can't really do it through the draft uh, unless it's 2022. Is they will have their pick, but outside of that, this feels kind of like their team going forward. And obviously there is upside with the young guys, but as far as Powell and Kleba and Finney Smith, those are long-term deals. Did you, did you like those deals?
2: Yeah. I mean, really, they're reasonable. I mean, I think the Pal deal was kind of shocking to me, really, because there was speculation initially after he opted out. It's like, uh-oh, somebody's going to try to pay him like 45 to 50, $50 million dollars. And it's like, that sucks because that was a position we didn't think we needed. Uh, let's not have, worry about trying to fill like a combo, like four or five position. I, I feel like his extension was like very, that, that was very reasonable, but just because I, I didn't think there was any way, if he would have asked me before, like, start of offseason, I was like, okay, if not one of them, there's a chance the Mavs could have lost at least two out of three of those people bef- between Dorian and Maxi and Powell. i mean once Powell said he was gonna you know basically uh, re-upped that, that made me feel a lot better and then watching maxi i was like oh god sacramento don't pay maxi clebo a whole bunch of money will make me really sad just because it's been kind of cool to see the mavericks like develop this guy the past couple of years and then of course he is from uh, dirk's hometown in germany which is very random and very cool to see um you know, and obviously you don't get a lot of players, like, that make the NBA roster, like, the way he has, and obviously play with his, like, childhood basketball hero, which is pretty cool. And then, you know, Dorian's, like, a guy they've been kind of working with the past two or three years, so it's not, like, unreasonable money, um, and... You know, if somebody decides to uh, overachieve, then maybe that's like a reasonable contract that they can move if they wanted to, you know, make a mid-season trade or even like a trade next year.
1: Yeah, and I think that wraps us up covering most of what happened through the offseason. But now, since that is what you have moving forward into the 2019-20 season season, Is there any players that you're sort of looking to take a big step forward and fill a little bit of a larger role? You know, maybe there's Jalen Brunson who really started to come into his own or a more comfortable Tim Hardaway, anyone that you see really progressing and taking a step forward going into next year? Uh, I'll be really lame and just say
2: Luca, just because that's like the easiest one to say, Um, just because his ceiling, you know, he did so much his first season, and then he's already had pretty much a full offseason with the team, which he didn't have last year. He's gotten in uh, pretty good uh, conditioning shape from what I've been able to see on social media past couple weeks. And, uh, you know, hopefully the, now that his condition is a little bit better, he's a little bit m- more familiar with, like, the NBA game. Uh, I don't know, like, what his numbers are going to Explode too, but I imagine they will be a little bit better. So I'll be really lame and say Luca. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not really sure about Brunson to be honest, Brendan. Just because I, I'm. It just really depends on what the Mavericks do with their roster. I mean, they have like a, a lot of different like guards potentially, and then uh, you know uh, you, they still have Brea coming back from his uh, Achilles injury. So I'm not really sure like what his role is going to be. But Carlisle does love playing him, so I just hope you know, with adding players like Curry and, uh, you know, right? like I wonder how, like, that's going to affect his minutes-wise just because I was really fully comfortable, like, initially, like when especially um, they started kind of to, I guess, fail in the offseason. I was completely comfortable starting Brunson at the point, potentially, honestly, just because, like, the dude's smart. He's not, like, he's not necessarily a, you know, he's not going to probably blow your... Box score out of the water but I mean I, I felt like there was very little like during the off you know during the season when I was like oh man what the, like what are you doing he didn't really have very many like brain fart moments as a rookie point guard but again when you play at a program for four years like Villanova and you're a little older you're a little wiser you're gonna have like a better understanding of the game supposed to when you're like an 18 19 year old kid playing one year out of Duke
0: so how about candidates for regression um not a lot of older guys in this team obviously I think Berea is is a clear candidate with the injury and the age but aside from him you know I I guess I could nominate Justin Jackson honestly as a guy who I think could fall into obscurity and then Chris Epps I mean that injury is no joke I'm not expecting him to fall off completely obviously that the Mavericks are not either given him that five-year uh max extension but but, you know, I mean, the injury is a serious thing. So, I mean, what, what percentage of himself do you expect him to be? And do, is there anyone else on this roster you think could uh, get a little bit worse next year? Uh,
2: I'll start with the Przingis, uh first, Rich. Yeah, I mean, really, he hasn't played, you know, an official NBA game in over a year now. And, you know, he's a very large human. Um With any type of leg and foot injuries, you always worry about that. I mean, you see, like, how, like, a, you know, great career, like, Yao Ming was shorter just because of his injuries and stuff like that. So, you know, whenever a big, tall man injures his lower leg or foot, you're always like, ooh, like, is that, how's that going to work out? So... Yeah, I mean, uh, that's a really realistic, like, expectation where maybe he's not as good, potentially maybe this first year, or maybe in general, we don't know yet until he actually gets on the court. I think if the Mavericks are wise, and they are, and they have, like, one of the best trainers in the NBA, Casey Smith, who's always, like, on the, uh, USA basketball team, I'm sure at least for the first two months, they'll cap his minutes at 20. Or, you know, so, you know, around there, maybe like twenty, twenty-two, maybe like the first month or something like that, just to give him baby steps, just because we don't want, this is a really big investment, so we're not going to just say, hey, play, uh, you know, we're going to just uh, play you 30, 35 minutes a night, no problem, you'll be good. Like, that's just not very realistic. I hope some people out there, uh, you know, if there are any people that think like that, they're kind of delusional, and uh I don't want to kill my unicorn right away, because we just invested so much, as far as um, you know, time, money, and assets to this. So if he falls apart, they're literally screwed probably for five or six years. As far as anybody else, uh, you know, obviously, Berea, that's obviously a good one to look at. Tim Hardaway Jr., when he's not right, he's not right. He's not very good, to be quite honest. So I, I do feel like at least, he was kind of playing out of position and the Mavericks were starting him a lot last season where thinking in my head, once he was added to the trade package with KP, maybe that's a guy that could fit better. Kind of like a, have like an old school microwave role, not like to a degree like Lou Williams, but like maybe like a Lou Williams light where he's able to kind of just come up there, bomb stuff away maybe able to get you, you know, uh 12 to 15 a night off the bench. But yeah I I wouldn't be really surprised if he regressed
1: we mentioned a little bit of Luca getting in better shape maybe turning down the turnovers a little bit but is there any other players on your roster where you're looking for progression in specific areas of their game you know I feel like when you really focus on a team you're going into a season and focusing on certain aspects and hoping that you notice improvements in certain areas. And I'm curious what uh, some of your main storylines and things you're keeping an eye on going into next year are. Improvements from like a player, I don't really have any per se, Brendan, but I would say as far as
2: like a storyline aspect, I think like the biggest storyline that, I mean, for me personally, I want to watch and enjoy like the entire season is like how much chemistry and uh kp and luca are developing throughout the course of the year just because that you know these are you guys and a lot of the league right now is not necessarily going to like a three-headed monster and it's more uh dynamic duels is the cool thing now so these are our two guys and this is going to be the first time they're playing together so let's get them as much time and chemistry together and hopefully they can put the team in the right direction moving forward but uh, I don't really have any, like, I guess, players during the lines. It will be interesting to see if Dwight Powell can continue his hot streak because I believe towards the second half of the season, he was one of the most efficient players in the uh, NBA. I think there was, like, two or three players ahead of him, maybe like Capella or something like that. But just, like, to see him continue that stride where he, he's been able to, like, kill people on pick and rolls and be able to actually hit a three-point shot, maybe that could be like a player storyline to look out for through the season for me personally.
0: So you kind of ran it down for us earlier, but if you had to guess the starting five on opening night, I think you had mentioned, uh, you know, I think it was Wright, Curry, Luca, Porzingis, and uh, Dwight Powell. Is that what you're going with uh, for opening Mm -hmm. night? Yeah, if I have to just, like, roll the dice, that's what I'm kind of I, I, – I'm
2: leaning towards that. I mean, I, Carlisle says he wants to go – like, you know, again, there's speculation that they want to go bigger. I'll, I'll, I'll continue Carlisle's thinking of going small until I see something different.
1: And last year we mentioned at the top 33 wins. The way that we kind of like to close out here and get your projection on maybe a hard number for next year is uh, – basing it around this Vegas over under and they have Dallas sitting at forty and a half. Do you feel like that's about right here? Seven wins up from last year or would you really comfortably take an over or under there? I would honestly, I, I'm completely okay
2: with that, Brendan, because I was really looking at a lot of different Vegas betting uh, sites and that was pretty much the consistency I saw just like throughout the league. I mean, basically, so from the 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 following year, they basically made like almost a a nine game improvement. So if you're putting them around like seven and a half to eight games, I really feel like that's not too like I feel like that's you know that's okay, that's decent. Um, I know there was like one website that dropped. I'm not sure what like betting affiliation they had. You guys may have seen it, but like when the Rockets acquired. Westbrook there was like this site that said oh the Rockets were going to win like 55 games and they had the Mavericks around like 47 to 48 wins and I was like uh man I don't know I don't know about that one just because I feel like if you're making like a jump uh, each year like a 10 game jump to me like like that's huge because like last year uh, I mean correct me if I'm wrong you guys would probably know but like the Kings were like what like 12 or 14
0: games better than the year before yeah, 14, I believe.
2: Yeah, and that's, like, ins- I mean, that's amazing. Like, 14 games better than you were last year, that's, like, that's great. So, I mean, 10, to me, it, it's a hard ask, especially, like, on how tough the West is just in general. Um, I, I still feel like the, the starting lineup is going to be, like, a game-by-game game proposition as well, and I just don't really know if this team is going to, be good enough defensively to stop anybody. I think they will be fun as hell offensively. I just don't know if they have enough to, like, get by. I I still feel like they have enough where they should be able to, like, pummel, like, the lesser teams easily just by their offense. I just don't know, like, how many games, like, this team isn't going to be able to stop anybody, in my opinion. I just don't feel like this team is, like, equipped to, like, handle the big boys. I mean, you know, Luca did – some great things versus like the Warriors and stuff like that. Like, but I just feel like when push comes to sub, once the, uh, you know, these games tighten up a little bit more towards like March and April and, uh, and stuff like that, I just don't, I don't feel like Dallas has enough. And, you know, if they end up winning 40 games, then, you know, that that's great. But again, the kind of tie the narrative of Luca is improving and then they're getting that development with KP and he's like, you know, let's say like 70 80 percent of what he was before he got injured, then that's still wind and then at least maybe there's like hope that maybe 2020 is the year the mavericks actually have some like good lottery luck uh because if the, anything the Pelicans showed you uh you know you can have some weird luck in the draft especially with like the new format because i think like the pelicans if um uh, had almost 40 wins and won the draft so you know who knows I you know there's I guess that's kind of delusional thinking but at least in my mind if they don't make the playoffs it's not a terrible thing they could still have an opportunity to uh, get better that next year and if they don't want to draft a young guy
0: that's easily a trade chip they can use to get better sorry I just wanted to correct myself there you are correct it was 12 your first guess there so uh The twelve win improvement from the Kings, and I'll say this: there is no site on earth that has the Kings with a a higher over under than the Mavericks, and I think that's a mistake. You know, uh, you can. I'm with you. Okay, I was going to see if you wanted to tell me why I was wrong, but I I see the Kings finishing ahead of the Mavericks, and not by much, but I think that I think that it's a mistake that all these betting sites have the the Mavericks uh, about two games ahead of the Kings. I just frankly don't see it. Uh, it's, it, you know, it comes down to, I think, you know, after those two guys, you know, I believe that Luca and, and Kristaps Perzingis are very good. And then it, when you get past those two guys, I think that it, it becomes, there's some issues. And, uh, I don't know, but if, if, so, you know, that was the question I was going to ask. And, and you can, it sounds like there's a pretty simple, pretty quick answer, but do you think the Mavericks will finish ahead of the Kings? No. Right now, Kings
2: have more depth, and they're, well, I don't want to say the Mavericks are old, but the Kings do have very, uh, they're bouncy, to use a favorite Mark Stein word, they're very long and athletic, and the Mavericks are not very long and athletic, I mean, they have Luka and KP, but then it's like, okay, what else you got to offer, so it's just, uh, I still feel like, you know, the Kings do have a better kind of team and foundation right now, and Why the, you know, a lot of people are saying the Kings are just going to win 35 games. Um, I almost want to just go drive up to Vegas right now and just put $100 and, um, and say, okay, I'll see your 35 wins and say the Kings are actually going to make the playoffs because, uh, you know, not, not to show bias on, you know, your guys' pot in general. I just feel like the Kings are, you know, generally a better team right now than the Mavericks. Like that could obviously maybe change this year or the following year, but it just, Right now, the Kings will finish better than the Mavericks, make the playoffs. I forget your standing, like, projection, Rich, like, identically, but I think whatever you've tweeted out, like, as far as your playoff projections, that's where I'm kind of at, as far as, like, okay, so, um, feel free to, like, refresh my memory as far as, like, your potential playoff projections, but whatever you've sent out, that's what I'm in Greens with.
0: I got them over, over Dallas and over, the Pelicans, that group of teams, and and probably it seems like they're just under uh, where the Spurs are at in the eight seed, but that is liable to change, certainly.
1: You don't have to apologize for uh, talking up the Kings. I think you can do that as much (laughs) as you want here. Well, and
2: it's just like to expect Dallas to climb over so many teams, like, okay, it'd be one thing if it was just the Kings, but you're saying the Mavis are going to climb over, like, the Spurs? I mean... Spurs are still a better team than Dallas. I'm sorry. Even though they may not have like a superstar per se, they've got a lot of guys, uh, young guys that have like higher ceilings than, you know, um, the, the Mavericks have potentially other than KP. Like they, they have more players to offer. I mean, you've got Lonnie Walker, uh, Murray coming off the injury. So if they're right, I mean, I know a lot of people hate, uh, Rosen, but he's still like a, you know, he's still, like, a functional NBA player, like, even though he's, he should have been a player born in, like, the, you know, 70s and played in the 80s at some point, so they're still, like, a solid team, and then you're looking at somebody like the Pelicans, I don't really know, like, maybe it's, like, delusional grandeur to think uh, the Pelicans might make the playoffs, dude, they're gonna be good, Pelicans are gonna be really good, and especially if Brandon Ingram comes back, like, and he's right, good, like, good lord, like, this team is going to be very good defensively. Now, can are they going to be able to make a, you know, get 90 points consistently? That's going to be the question. But, like, Brandon Ingram is right. They're going to make the playoffs, man, 100%. I love Brandon Ingram. And this league is all about wings that can do, like, different things. And uh, he's one of my favorite players to watch when he's right.
1: Yeah, I think that we're kind of in the same spot here where we're fighting for bottom of the playoffs. I think the Kings, like we're saying are probably a little better off in regards to next season uh, rather than Dallas. But I, I do also want to mention, I think I'm a little higher on them than most people. I think the Timberwolves kind of belong in this conversation as well. I, I really like Aunt Carl Anthony Towns. I think Culver is going to be a nice pickup. A Kogi, maybe Wiggins can come into a little bit of a bigger role, for this eight seed a little bit there. But I think that's most of what we have for you with doubtless here. Do you think that there's anything else that you want to touch on, Rich? Anything we miss on?
0: No, I'm good. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's about it. I, I, I'm uh, The last question we normally ask is to project a few years forward. But it's pretty clear with this team that with a uh, core of Luca and, and Chris Epsperzingas that you know the way to go is up. It's just a matter of how quickly they they will get there. Yeah, pretty much a matter of just time and expectations, and hopefully those who are fans
2: of the Mavs just are patients. That's all I can really ask.
1: Yeah, and at least you got a nice front office going on. That always makes things a little bit easier. But we want to give you a chance at the end here, Brian, to plug your stuff you got going on. You got a great pro- podcast over there, Mavericks Focus. Oh, I appreciate that, Brendan. Uh, yeah,
2: uh, first and last name, Brian's on, on Twitter, at Blue uh, BlueHardblood if you want to check out the podcast. Always open just to chat, hoops. I'm doing kind of just the off-season pods right now because obviously there can only be so many discussions about the fourth and our 14th and 15th man on the roster. Got a fun Luca Trey Young podcast coming up, so be on the lookout for that in the coming weeks. And hopefully um, I'll be looking to do a Southwest podcast Preview and the upcoming weeks as well, just as far as like, getting opinions of different riders from uh, different teams to kind of just uh, look at, you know, teams like the Grizzlies, Spurs, Rockets, Pelicans within the master division and see how the 2019-20 season looks. But it's always a pleasure to talk with you guys. Uh, you know, I can't thank you enough for putting up with me for another uh, hour of uh, episode. So I really appreciate that. And hopefully uh, you guys will uh, have me on again. No doubt,
1: man. Thanks
0: for coming on the show.
1: And thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of the Kings Pulse podcast. You will hear from us again in a couple days. We got our Brooklyn breakdown up next.